Hello, everyone. I'm Blake Farha. And I'm Jasmine. And this is See You in Sleep County, a podcast where we tell bedtime stories written for adults. And these stories are so very special because they come straight from the journals of the one and only Jazz Meyer and are written to be soft, sensorial tales to help send you off into that wonderful realm we like to call Sleep County. See You in Sleep County is a part of the Bear Radio Network. Bear Radio is Berlin's English-speaking podcasting network. No matter what kind of podcasts you enjoy, you're sure to find a podcast you love at bearradio.org. Blake, I have been getting really homesick lately. I think the... This extended lockdown has been perhaps wearing on me. So, mm-hmm. And it's been a very, very long time since I've been back in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I know you obviously also have your family far across the seas, uh, back in America, back in good old Texas. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you ever get homesick and how it is for you yeah, living so far away from home, from family. Well, I've been living abroad for about 10 years now, so I think it's become kind of... I think that the I don't really get homesick anymore. It's become sort of it's become the 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 status quo, I think, you know, being away from my home and my family. And actually I've been really in the last several years I've really let go of keeping in touch with people. Um and it's I thought I think for a long time I thought it didn't really make a difference. And I thought, well, this is the life I've chosen, and I've chosen to live abroad, and I will now live a life far away from the people who are my family and the people that I grew up with and with whom I share so much history. And it became, I I think I accepted it so fully that I kind of disregarded the thought that perhaps I was missing out on something um, because I just sort of felt like life moves forward, so I must move forward as well. And... A couple of years ago, my sister came to visit me in Berlin, and it was the first time anyone from my family had visited me abroad. And I was reminded of how incredibly irreplaceable sharing a history with someone is, and how incredibly powerful it can be to share a history with someone. And I want to also mention that I spent years traveling all over the world. So I was living, you know, in South Korea for a year and a half, in Spain for six months, in France for nine months, in Mexico for a brief period, etc. And so I really didn't have history with anyone. Everyone that I met was just a friend. You know, you, everyone I was, all the people that I would meet along the way would become friends, but everything you created together was new. So suddenly I found myself sitting with my sister outside one beautiful Berlin summer evening, And we were just drinking a beer and enjoying the evening. And something happened around us, because, you know, Berlin is such a busy place. And we both just looked at each other. And we both just burst out laughing without saying a word to each other. And it was such a strange thing that we were laughing at. It's something that most people wouldn't have noticed. And they certainly wouldn't have thought it was so funny. But we just could not contain our laughter. And in that moment, I realized this This is why history and family is so important. Someone who understands you to your core such that you can just see a really inconsequential moment in the world. But for you and for those select few, it isn't inconsequential and you don't even need to discuss it. You just know it. So in all of that is to say that now since that happened, I've been making a much greater effort to keep in touch with the people back home and to really try to you know, reconnect myself to the people with whom I share a history. And when I feel homesick, I'll try to make a call home and talk to someone. And I'm often shocked at how comforting it is to talk to family, you know, to talk to the people that you truly love and who truly know you and genuinely accept you for who you are. 
and even though I'm so far away from them, I find that a simple phone conversation is is enough to kind of reignite those flames, you know, of of connection. I am getting a little bit teary hearing that. It's really beautiful that you got to experience that <laughs> reconnection with your sister and uh, makes me miss home mm-hmm. and, and the idea of family a lot, actually. And how are you coping with this newfound homesickness for Australia? Because I don't think I've ever heard you express like a, a yearning for your homeland. Yeah, I think it's, it's really in the last year that it's mm-hmm. um, become quite present, this homesickness. I, um, I mean, yeah, I've been living in Europe now seven years almost. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for, for the first, I think I, I was much like you for the first few years. It just didn't really register like it was something I'd left behind and it seemed like it was a part of my past that I could let go of. But yeah, definitely the place that you grow up and the people you grow up with, they're always a part of you, whether you like it or mm-hmm. not. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, rejecting that is, is really, it's rejecting a part of myself. So I'm recognizing more and more recently, especially again, reading back through my old journals, like how formative my my homeland was uh, just by virtue mm-hmm. of, of being home, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how am I coping? Yeah, same same as you. I call my mom very frequently these days, just to mm-hmm. just to have that familiarity and that connection and and a reminder of where I come from, and it's been very comforting. Well, yeah, it's uh, I, you know I think even in the worst of times, it can be quite amazing how powerful like a mother's love can be, as cliche as that is. Uh, even even when things aren't going well, for example, uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes things aren't going well between people and that's totally fine. But kind of the the beauty and the power of family and friendship and with really close people is the amazing power people have to put those things to the side when it matters. And even though there's a problem, even though there's an issue, it can very easily be put aside. And when you're in need, when you have a need for someone and you need help or support or care, those truly, truly close people, they have this magical ability to say, okay, let's ignore the fact that we're having a fight right now and let's let's connect. What, what can I do for you? How can I be here for you? Yeah, tonight's story kind of touches on that, at least the, the notion of family, even if it's a perhaps more abstract notion. Um, mm. And yeah, also the notion of like, being away from home, but trying to find a home somewhere else. And <laughs> once again, you feature in this story, Blake. Oh, goodness. There's been a string of stories featuring me, Jazz. You're going to give me a big head. Oh, there's been a string of experiences that we've shared together that have been wonderful. So it's only natural. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. So tonight's story is set in the Portuguese countryside. And this was... Um, one of the wonderful experiences that you and I shared together uh, in my my burgeoning little community, Celestial Valley. And mm. we, I'm sure you remember, spent a day picking olives together with my neighbors and, and their family. Yes, I do. So yeah, this, this story is about that. Um, it was one of, one of my favorite days, I think, so far in, in Portugal, definitely. Such a beautiful time and we laughed a lot, I remember. Um, yes, we did. I'm happy to be able to get to relive that memory with you in Sleep County. Uh, This story is called Speckled Olives and Freckled Skin. 
speckled olives and freckled skin. I cannot wait to read about Armando, the owner of the farm, and his utterly indescribable comical nature. Yes, that's Armando. Armando. Armindo, yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he features he features heavily. <laughs> Wonderful. Before we get to tonight's story, we'd just like to remind you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you're enjoying the stories that are part of them, you can help support us in continuing to make them by supporting us through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash County, where your donations will get you lots of lovely benefits and help us continue putting the love and energy into this podcast that we know it deserves. And if you want to uplift us in another way, you can get in touch with us. Uh, we always love hearing from our listeners. It brings a smile to our faces and fills our heart with joy. If you'd like to see photos of the places that Jazz writes about in her stories, and if you'd like to see behind-the-scenes footage of us making this podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do all of those things on our Instagram page at See You in Sleep County. So I'll hand it over to you, Blake, to relive this lovely day in tonight's story, Speckled Olives and Freckled Skin. And to those of you listening, I hope you enjoy tonight's little tale, that it whisks you away to warm days and cool shade under the olive trees. I'm Jasmine. Good night, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in Sleep County. Thanks very much, Jazz. As we prepare for tonight's story, gently close your eyes and snuggle into bed. Allow yourself to find the position that feels just right. And when you've found that perfect spot nestled among the covers, take a nice, slow, deep breath, letting the worries of the day drift away as you exhale. Imagine the air falling into your belly and chest as you breathe in effortlessly. And as you breathe out, imagine the breath falling out of you again. Take a moment to feel the bed beneath you, gently supporting your body. Release any tension you might be feeling, starting with the muscles in your face. One by one, allow them to go slack. Let the muscles in your arms, shoulders, and chest relax. Move your attention to your belly, your lower back, and let them sink into the mattress. Release any tightness in your thighs, your knees, your calves, and your feet. And enjoy for a moment the feeling of total relaxation, your body totally at ease. And now, for tonight's story. Speckled Olives and Freckled Skin by Jazz Meyer. The morning mist hung heavy over the fields 
as the four of us ambled down the dirt track, still wiping sleep from our eyes. Sparrows flitted to and fro, filling the air with their rising song as the blue-gray light spread softly across the landscape. Summer here in Portugal necessitated such early mornings. Thus, we had become accustomed to rising with the sun and escaping the impossible heat of the day, a heat that would arrive by mid-morning, bringing with it a lethargy that precluded anything but lazing under the olive trees and waiting for it to pass. It was a life determined by the sun and the seasons, and I was more in step with nature's cycles than I had ever been. Mornings and evenings were for working, the rest of the day spent eating, sleeping, and conserving energy in the wake of the harsh sun. For now, though, the air was still cool, and the chill of the dawn helped pull us into wakefulness. Toby, his blonde curls bouncing with an animation too lively for such an hour, walked ahead, ever confident, ever eager. Beside me, Blake moved with long, slow strides, taking in the landscape with new eyes. He had arrived only a few days before, and I caught a hint of curious wonder in his eyes as we moved toward our destination. On my other side, Alva shuffled, still stiff with sleep, her usually bright and childlike eyes now struggling to remain open. I too felt my limbs shaking themselves out from slumber, and I stretched in the cold air, willing my body to awaken. Home lay behind us, and while on a normal day we would be plastering earthen walls or setting clay tiles, today we had another task. The countryside in Portugal had its own unique economy, based not on currency, but on a complex web of intertwining gifts, favors, and neighborly goodwill. I supposed it was typical to any small village, though its nuances were lost on me through the fog of nasal vowels and clipped consonants that I only sometimes understood. All I knew was that our neighbors had olives and were in need of hands to pick them. This wasn't the first time we had helped Helena and Armindo with a harvest, inserting ourselves into that neighborly barter system and feeling more at home with every tomato, bean, and grape we'd picked. By now, we had grown to look forward to the traditions that surrounded any harvest in that village. In return, our neighbors kept us in constant supply of fresh vegetables from their enormous summer garden and graced us with their company a few times a week to attempt inevitably broken conversations in nevertheless friendly Portuguese. Behind us, on the dirt track, we heard the telltale grumble of a tractor 
and turned to see the couple in question rising over the hillside, stoic smiles in place. Armindo, with his pot belly, farmer's cap, and missing teeth, seemed almost a caricature of himself. A joker with a throaty laugh and an easy disposition. In turn, Helena was a tiny woman, significantly shorter than me, with short-cropped brown hair and the lines of hard work on her face. She emanated motherly warmth, was generous to a fault, and she had come to adopt Toby and I as her foreign children, in lieu of her own kin who had taken to city life. Now the group of us pressed ahead, and eventually arrived at one of the many parcels of land of which the two of them seemed to be custodians. Not long before, this had been a bean field, beans that Toby and I had gathered with our own hands and helped stomp in the drying shed back at the homestead. Now, only the dry remains of those plants were left, the earth barren but for the dozens of olive trees that drooped heavily with ripe fruit. Blake and Alva were somewhat newer to this life, as guests in our little community, and I was eager to share this day with them. Harvesting was always more fun with good company, and in particular, I was pleased to have Blake there. Our reunions few and far between across several countries and against various backdrops. This would be a curious experience to add to our list of shared adventures. Others arrived then, more friends and family, some of whom we knew, some who introduced themselves, and others for whom a day in the field was just that, and who dispensed of the pleasantries in favor of the closest tree. I was no longer shocked by this peculiarity and turned my attention to the buckets that Armindo was handing out with gusto. Beside him, Helena dragged several aged shade cloths from the tractor, distributing them along the bases of the trees, and I went to assist her as best as I could through the language barrier. It became quickly apparent, though, that we were readying these cloths to catch the olives that would soon fall from the olive branches, and looking around, some of our fellow helpers had already commenced. I had long dreamt of the life of a fruit picker, the simplicity of physical labor, the beauty of nature, the freedom of a life untethered and it seemed to me that I would get a glimpse of it that day, romanticized as my notions may have been. Putting my gloved hands on the branches, I noticed the olives, plump and pale green with a smattering of translucent speckles upon their skin. In one quick motion, I held tight as I pulled my hand down the branch, watching the fruit fall and bounce upon the waiting shade cloth. It was remarkably satisfying, and I was already excited to continue. Branch after branch I harvested, Helena at my side, watching me 
and occasionally offering her decades-honed advice. Toby and Blake were harvesting other trees, while Alva had quickly grown tired and decided to rest at home instead. Around me, shouts and laughter rang through the field as jokes in throaty Portuguese were thrown around almost as much as the olives were. I missed the punchlines, of course, but I was still buoyed by the frivolity that would keep us afloat as the day began to warm and our hands began to ache. When the lower fruits had been stripped, I would climb up into the branches, reaching as far as I could to grasp every last prize. A ladder or a long stick would be produced from somewhere to aid in the process, and soon the first tree was laid bare. With a technique practiced over the course of a lifetime, Helena would gather the olives in the fabric and pour them gracefully into one of the waiting buckets before moving on to the next tree. Eventually, Blake, Toby, and I found our way back to each other, and the romance of fruit picking was captured for a while as the three of us harvested one tree together, sharing jokes and stories that made the work run smoother and faster. Blake shared his tales of shenanigans in Mexico, Toby of enlightenment in India, and I reminisced on adventuring in Vietnam. We were light with laughter, though our hands were blistered and our brows were damp with sweat. The sun was catching up to us, and we would soon be caught in its rays. But we carried on in good faith, knowing that we were here for as long as we were needed. Our stories had made the morning fly by, and we were almost surprised to hear Armindo call out, Para, almosho, stop, lunch. He certainly had a way with words, but those were the only two words we needed to hear. Gathering the remaining olives into our bucket, we hoisted it toward the tractor to join the rest. The day was almost done, and with the olives loaded on to the tractor's scoop, we set off toward Helena and Armindo's home for the celebration that always accompanied a day's harvest. In their broad, open kitchen, away from the heat of the day, our party sat haphazardly around an enormous table, plates of bread and cheese already laid out to sate our growing hunger. Helena took great pride in feeding us all, and despite our insistence that she sit and eat, spent the time bustling around instead, producing plate after plate of country delicacies. Most, if not all, of the food was produced by them or their family, and we feasted on soft goat's cheese from Armindo's sister, sausages from hunted boar, and boiled potatoes from the garden behind that very house. A plate of boiled eggs appeared from the chickens that clucked softly in the background, alongside the beans that Toby and I had helped harvest months before. 
Helena's delicious quince paste and applesauce were spread thick on homemade bread, and the meal was rounded out with wine produced by a neighbor. It was the countryside economy in action, one that left nothing wanting, and we marveled at the delicious feast, as impressive as it was simple. This was the life I had longed for, the dream that had caused me to move to Portugal on a whim, the point of every early morning like this one. There was something magical here that had been overlooked, something that had been lost in the bustle of the city life that lay behind me now. Though I adored the color and vitality of certain cities, I recognized they had the tendency to speed up the pace of my days. Here, everything had slowed down, and I found I was missing nothing. I had the land beneath my feet, and fresh air in my lungs, clean water, and the warmth of the sun. I rose and lay down with the dawn and dusk, with nothing to entertain me but the wonder of the world unfolding before my eyes. With good company like today's, I was content, and I took another bite of fresh bread, chewing with a smile on my face. As the afternoon wore on, we filled our bellies, and Helena eventually sat down to join us, exhausted but pleased. More indecipherable jokes were thrown across the table with laughter thrown back, and I basked in the glow of this neighborly companionship. When the sun had sunk a little past its zenith point, we returned to the field for one last hour of picking before calling it a day. Our little group had achieved much in those hours, and we watched Armindo and the other men hoist bucket after bucket up to a trailer, emptying them into the mass of already picked olives. A blanket of green and purple lined the bottom of its belly, and we would only be adding more over the coming days. When all was done, these olives would be pressed into the oil used over the course of the next year in their home, with some given away in that gift economy cycle to friends and family. With sore joints and sunburnt skin, the three of us walked the path back the way we had come that morning. We were exhausted, but it was the kind of exhaustion that spoke of achievement, of the satisfaction that came from the simplest and oldest of endeavors, harvesting food. I felt one step closer to becoming ingrained in village life, moving with the pace of nature, making sense of my days in all their glorious simplicity. That was Speckled Olives and Freckled Skin, written by the one and only Jazz Meyer. It's really, really exciting and fun to read this story because I was there, I was part of the experience, and I remember it so warmly, so fondly. 
And just as Jazz wrote, it really was the simplicity of everything that made it so special. I spent almost ten days at her community in Portugal with her and Toby and Alva, and we spent our days just eating breakfast together slowly in the morning, spending the early part of the day working either putting plaster on the house that we were building by hand or cutting down trees or harvesting some sort of food. Just simple activities that involve your body and being in touch with the earth. And I know that city life offers so much. I live in a big city and one of the biggest and most bustling cities in the world. And I love that. And I must also say that I've come to really desire more time spent in the country doing things like harvesting olives for your neighbor. It really was a beautiful way to come together, and I think so many of us live in cities because we desire the opportunity, the excitement, all the wonderful things that can happen. And I think in doing so and in being conditioned to do so, we've overlooked one of the greatest secrets of human happiness, which is that you really need almost nothing to be truly joyful and content and as long as you've got a roof over your head and some food in your belly and a few friendly neighbors to talk with and share your day with you really need nothing else to feel an incredible exuberant joy bursting in your heart every single day and it was wonderful to be part of jazz's community for that reason to be reminded of how incredibly little you need to feel truly exultant. And I try to carry this with me, but of course, I struggle just like everyone. And I forget that it's not by adding more things to my life that I'll be happier or feel better. It's by stripping away all of the unnecessary weight from my life that I'll feel truly content. I want to thank you all so much for joining us for this very special story, one that's very dear to my heart. It was truly a magical day, and I'm so happy I got to share it with you now. If you're still awake, I hope you're feeling rested and relaxed and ready for a night of sweet slumber. And if you're not quite tired yet, you can always listen to another episode of See You in Sleep County. And hopefully by the end of that episode, you'll already be lost somewhere deep in the land of dreams. As always, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can become a patron by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash County, where your donations will get you lovely rewards as well as make our hearts smile and help us continue putting the time, energy, and love into this podcast that we know it deserves. And if you'd like to support us in a different way, you can share See You in Sleep County with your friends, your family, your loved ones. Let them know just how many beautiful stories are waiting here for them. You can also follow us on Instagram at, at See You in Sleep County, where we post photographs of all the stories Jazz has written about, pictures of the actual places she's describing, as well as little behind-the-scenes looks at how we make this podcast and what it's like making it together. I want to thank you once again for joining us for another episode of See You in Sleep County. There will be many stories to come, 
and we look forward to sharing them all with you. I'm Blake Farha, and I want to wish you a good night, sweet dreams, and I'll see you in Sleep County. <laughs>